Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Memorial Tournament 2023. This is one of the most prestigious events on the PGA Tour calendar in the non-major category, due in large part because it is hosted by Jack Nicklaus. So we've got an elite level field for this event here on the PGA Tour this week. And we're going to be breaking it down here on today's episode, whether you are playing DFS, making outright bets, or playing one and done. Hopefully, you're going to get the information you need to help pick out some winners at uh, the memorial here this week. So we're going to be breaking down the course uh, and then giving you some golfers that you know can be targets for DFS or bets and then going to be talking about some one and done strategy at the very end. So we got you covered no matter what your action is here on the memorial this week. Last week was kind of an interesting one on the golf calendar because we had the Charles Schwab Challenge and Live DC going on at the same time. And I'm not going to lie, I kind of found myself as the weekend was going on watching a little more of Live DC than I did of the Charles Schwab Challenge. It's just kind of hard to get up and get excited over watching a final pairing of Harry Hall and Adam Shank when on the other TV you got Harold Varner III, Mito Pereira, Bryson DeChambeau, Cam Smith, like they're all going back and forth making birdies. And the live broadcast I actually thought did a very good job of hopping all over the course to try to give you like as much shots as possible, which has been one of my complaints about the live broadcast. Um, so I was kind of find myself watching a little more live this week than the PGA Tour. Um, however, I will say once I saw um, Emiliano Grillo's tee shot on eight at the Charles Schwab Challenge, I was kind of hooked back onto that for a little bit um, for the ending of that you know tournament and for the ending of the playoff as well. Um, so there definitely was a little bit of drama to be had there at the end of the Charles Schwab Challenge. Now, anyway, we're looking ahead to this week now. So the Memorial is a tournament that has given us a lot of action over the last few years. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the course itself and what you can expect this week, uh, and then talk about some guys that can hopefully take advantage of the skill set that it's going to require. So anyway, if you like what you're hearing on Mike's Money Picks, please hit that subscribe button. Um, I promise it helps me out a lot, and you'll also be notified when new episodes drop, like next week when we talk about the RBC Canadian Open, and later on in the week when we start talking about season-long fantasy football. Yes, it is that time of year. We're going to start helping you get ready for your draft in fantasy football season. Um, we're going to uh, display our original big board here um, at the end of the week, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You'll be notified when that episode drops. All right, so that does it for the introduction, guys. Um, so without further ado, you can put 30 minutes on the clock. I've said time and time again, I don't think there's any other podcast out there that gives a more comprehensive preview of a golf tournament in 30 minutes than we do here on Mike's Money Picks. So go ahead and put 30 minutes on the clock. Go ahead and get that timer ready. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. <laughs> The Memorial Tournament is played at Mirfield Village Golf Club in Dublin, Ohio, which is not a coincidence that it is not far from the home of the tournament host, Jack Nicklaus, which is why this tournament attracts a big field every year because everybody wants to come out and win Jack's tournament, and you get a nice little handshake from Jack if you win on the 18th green. So anyway... Um, Nice tournament here on the PGA Tour calendar. It is one of my favorites. It is one of the best year in, year out. Um, just really nice course here at Mirfield Village. And it is a par 72. It is 7,500 yards. And it has hosted this tournament since 1976. But the last few years have been super eventful here at this golf course. In 2020, Mirfield Village had the rare distinction of hosting back-to-back -back tournaments because of the COVID-altered calendar. The Workday Charity Open was played here with a smaller purse, easier conditions, and a slightly subdued field. And it was won by Colin Warwick 
Morikawa in a playoff over Justin Thomas. And then the next week, the Memorial Tournament went on as scheduled, but they let the rough grow out from the workday, and they shaved the greens about as much as they could to make them as firm and fast as possible. And the conditions were just super duper tough the next week for the Memorial Tournament. It didn't even look like the same golf course. John Rahm won that one in a runaway, even though he did have a two-shot penalty that was enforced on him because the rough was so thick, he didn't even know that like he nudged his ball a little bit and and you know someone caught him on camera and so he had a two-shot penalty and as a viewer it kind of looked like it could get bad like if he started playing super conservative and playing for bogey um then he very quickly could have you know lost that big lead that he had but you know it just ended up working out because he still ended up making pars ended up being no controversy because of that penalty anyway right and then after that tournament in 2020, the course was literally dug up like after the last group finished playing um, because they wanted to do a big renovation for the 2021 tournament. Jack Nicklaus apparently didn't like how easy the golf course was playing or how artificially difficult he had to make it in 2020 to make it appear difficult. So they just did this whole big renovation to add some length, make it uh, different green complexes, make it a little bit tougher on the modern era golfer. Now in that 2021 tournament, um, John Rahm's interesting history here at Memorial continues because he was leading by six shots on Saturday when he was informed, stepping off the 18th green, that he had tested positive for COVID and was going to be forced to withdraw from the tournament. So story from my life, I was actually, so one thing I've, I've gone over on this podcast before that I am a high school teacher and football and basketball coach. And for whatever reason, all teachers are required to attend graduation at my high school. And so this was a Saturday afternoon. I was about to go attend this graduation, right? It was just one of those lazy Saturdays. We're sitting at home with the wife. We were watching golf. And, you know, she wasn't really all that into it, so I didn't, like, think much of it. But, you know, I kind of just leave as the, the leaders are about on, like, hole 14 or 15. And I get a call on my way to graduation. She's like, you're not going to believe this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I obviously, you know, when you get a call like that from your wife, you're a little worried. And she's like, John Rahm's withdrawing. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? She's like, yeah, they tested, po he tested positive for COVID. They're, they're literally talking to him. He's going to have to withdraw on the 18th green. And I'm like, what? And first off, you know, just another evidence of me loving my wife because she would call me knowing that I wanted to watch this golf tournament and, you know, kind of relay the action to me. But it's just one of those sporting events that was kind of, you know, unique and wild. And I kind of remember it for that reason. Anyway, after John Rahm was for it to withdraw, Patrick Cantlay ended up winning that tournament, and then last year was a runaway for Billy Horschel um, in the last edition of the Memorial. So because of the big renovation that was underdone in 2021, the 2021 and 2022 editions are definitely going to give you the most actionable course history. Those are the only two that are played at kind of the current exact setup and current exact yardage, because about 200 yards of distance was added in total after that renovation. However, most of it was going to come on the par fives when distance was added, um, simply because Jack Nicklaus thought that those holes had become too easy. They were really becoming birdie and eagle holes, and everybody was reaching them in two. Um, and then also, the new renovation changed up some of the angles, um, which made some tee shots slightly more difficult. And then, like I said earlier, the brand new green complexes as well. Um, so definitely a little bit more difficult of a tournament um, in the 2022 edition than previously, like we had seen in 2019 and at the Workday Charity Open in 2020. So as it stands now, this is a big boy golf course. Like I said, par 72, 7,500 yards. The fairways are fairly wide, but the rough is some of the most penal rough on tour. You do not want to miss the fairway. This is almost like major championship, US Open, PGA championship level rough if you end up in it. And you really just are going to have a tough time hitting the greens if you're going to be hitting out of this rough. And speaking of those greens, they're very small. The green regulation percentage here at Muirfield Village is the fifth lowest on tour. They're just very tough to hit and hold. However, they are actually fairly easy to putt on. 
Um, they're pure bent grass, and so they roll very true and very consistent, and there's just not a whole lot of undulation. Jack Nicholas like prides this course on having very true, very consistent greens, and so you've seen like some bad putters have success here. You've also seen good putters get hot. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast that when the greens roll true, guys who have it that week are going to continue to have it, and guys who don't have it that week are going to keep searching for it. So it kind of definitely really kind of um, makes the putting a little more sporadic in terms of who can be good and who can be bad, but it definitely stratifies it in terms of good putter. Like if you're putting well for the week, you're going to continue to putt well for the rest of the week. Hope that makes sense. Anyway, Distance is not a prerequisite for winning here, but it does help hit shorter clubs into these greens. So that way you can kind of have a little bit more loft on the ball and definitely easier to hold them. That is the main advantage that you're getting with distance. The priority this week is going to be hitting the fairway as opposed to hitting, um, you know, as far as possible. But um, definitely with the wide fairways, you can afford to be a little inaccurate off the tee, but you do not want to end up in this rough. Um, there's also a lot of greenside bunkers at this course surrounding the greens, so it's very tough to get up and down. There's also a lot of thick rough patches around the greens, so if you're going to be missing the greens this week, you're going to be in for a tough time because it's going to be very difficult for you to get up and down. Now, in terms of comp courses, Jack Nicholas is the designer here at Meadowfield Village. Um, the other courses on tour that he's designed include PGA National, which is home of the Honda Classic in Florida. Um, however, that one has Bermuda grass, and just being in Florida, it's not the same agronomy as what you're going to see here in Ohio this week. Chris Kirk, Seb Straka, Sung J.M., Keith Mitchell, Justin Thomas, Ricky Fowler, and Adam Scott have all won there. Other guys who have had success include Eric Cole, Mackenzie Hughes, Shane Lowry, Billy Horschel, and Gary Woodland. The Concession Golf Club hosted the 2021 WCGC Workday at the Concession. It was one of those COVID schedule altered events. Um, it's another Florida course, but this one is in fact long. Um, it's a very tough golf course also, uh, and very much a second shot course like Muirfield Village is. Uh, when you look back at that leaderboard, it was a one-off event. Um, but So when you take out all the guys that are currently on live, there were a lot of guys in this field that played well. Kyle Morikawa won that tournament. Followed by Victor Hovland, Billy Horschel, Scotty Scheffler, Webb Simpson, Rory McIlroy, Matt Fitzpatrick, Tony Finau, and Justin Thomas in top 15. Now, the most apples-to-apples -apples comparison to me is Valhalla Golf Club, also designed by Jack Nicklaus, hosted the 2014 PGA Championship. It's got long, thick, rough, and bent grass greens. It's very much a major championship setup like you kind of see here at Muirfield Village. Uh, unfortunately for us, though, actionable course history here is pretty tough. The PGA Championship returns to Valhalla next year, um, so the only history we have recently is from 2014, which is almost a decade ago. Roy McIlroy... Ricky Fowler, Ryan Palmer, Adam Scott, Jason Day, Justin Rose, all finished in the top 25 at that course. Now, in terms of courses we regularly see on the PGA Tour, Quail Hollow is not a bad comparison. It's long, it's got lightning fast greens, but I do think that the penalties here at Muirfield Village um, for missing are a lot more dire than what you would see at Quail Hollow. Um, and also, there's a lot of crossover success at BMW Championship courses. Just the BMW Championship rotates sites, but usually they're in either the Midwest or the Northeast with bent grass. Um, they're usually pretty long. They usually have thick rough. So it's just kind of a similar setup to what you see at Mirfield Village. And the last three tournaments at the BMW Championship have been won by Patrick Cantlay and John Rahm, who have won three of the last four here at Mirfield Village. So maybe there's a little bit worth noting there. Now, Jack Nicklaus is also quoted to have said, that he wanted Mirfield Village to feel like Augusta National. And while I don't think that's an apples-to-apples -apples comparison, I do think there's a little bit of merit to that comparison. Both are long, 
Both play firm and fast. Both feature wide fairways, and the greens roll very true at both of those courses. But the rough at Muirfield Village is much more penal. The greens at Augusta National are much larger and feature much more undulation on them. And Augusta also features a lot more elevation change than Muirfield Village. But I do think that both of those courses are shot makers courses. At the bottom line, if you want to succeed at Muirfield Village, you're going to have to make a lot of different kind of shots. You have to have all of the shots in your bag to be able to hit these greens and hold these greens or to get up and down if you miss these greens. And to me, that's what Augusta National does as well. If the more shots you have in your bag that you can hit, the better you're going to be able to play at Augusta National to be able to shape the ball, to be able to you know control the distance, control the loft of all your clubs. That is what helps you out at Augusta National and it's what's going to have, help you out here at Milford Village. You don't have to have one aspect of your game that supreme but if you can play your own game and stay out of trouble you can win here at Mirfield Village just like at Augusta National when you look at the le- the winners here at the Memorial like Billy Horschel John Rahm and Patrick Cantlay it's guys who play very safe golf they hit a lot of fairways they hit a lot of greens and they don't really have a weakness in their game however I think when you look at terms of strengths all three of them have great approach play Being able to hit greens, particularly with long irons, is the one skill that is going to separate the rest from the best here at Jack's Place this week. And when I'm looking for targeting golfers this week in DFS betting one and done, approach play is my number one consideration. I want to see guys hit greens this week, and I want guys in my lineups who are going to be hitting a lot of greens this week. All right, that does it for the course preview. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and then let's talk about some golfers. We're back to an elevated event this week, so we're back to a loaded crop of golfers at the top of the board. And honestly, there's a lot of good options at the top. And I really prefer events like this in draft formats and in showdown formats where you just have a lot of options for how you piece one together. Like drafts last week at the Charles Schwab Challenge were kind of lame because the first pick was always Scotty Scheffler. And whether you were playing it for a whole tournament or a whole round, that ended up paying dividends for you. And so it was a great advantage to have that pick of Scotty Scheffler. And if, if you didn't, you were really left just kind of scrambling to see what you could figure out next. But anyway, I much like events like this for all kinds of formats this week. Um, Scotty and Rom are the two favorites. And as of right now, I would prefer playing Scotty Scheffler to John Rom this week in DFS. However, I think that it is much more likely that Rom wins the golf tournament. I just think that Scheffler's floor is much higher, which will help you more in DFS formats, in draft formats, in any format except betting an outright winner. Scotty's pretty much just been like elite in tee to green play for the last six months. He continued his run of consecutive finishes in the top 12 with a T3 at the Charles Schwab Challenge last week. And that was with losing four strokes with the putter. His history here at Muirfield Village is pretty good. He's been 22nd and third in his two trips. He has the highest floor of anybody in golf. I have no problem starting out your DFS lineups with him. I have no problem with a top 10 bet, top 15 bet, but I think the guy that's more likely to win the tournament is John Rahm. I'm really willing to forgive the poor performance from him at the PGA Championship. He just kept giving himself opportunities to row in short birdie putts, and he just didn't. And then he kind of let it, like avalanche on the weekend where you know just keep missing those putts just keeps getting frustrated just was never really able to make a run but I think Rom has the highest ceiling out of anyone in golf if Scotty has the highest floor Rom has the highest ceiling he has the ability to just go nuclear like he did in 2021 when he had a six stroke lead when he was forward to withdraw and so his course history here when you look at it it's even better than it looks because he has a 10th place finish and he has a win as well and he also has what should have been a win um in 2021 in his last three trips here. So I just think Rom has the highest ceiling. Scheffler has the highest floor. In DFS, I'm probably preferring to play Scheffler, but if I'm betting outright, I probably prefer to bet Rom. 
Now, I think Rory McIlroy will be the forgotten golfer this week. I think a lot of people in DFS are going to pay up for Scotty or Rom or click down to Patrick Cantlay or even further down with maybe even a Xander Shoffley for a more balanced build, which is going to leave a lot of people off of Rory McIlroy. The last time that happened, which I kind of called this, he had a seventh at the PGA Championship. And, you know, it wasn't a win, but it didn't disappoint either. He played really solid tee to green. He didn't really have a single weakness in his game other than the fact that round one, he just didn't really play all that well and was kind of out of contention after round one. Uh, in Mirfield Village specifically, he's had two 18th place finishes in his two starts here since the renovation in 2021. Um, so he definitely knows how to get around Mirfield Village. And I think it would really be big for Roy McIlroy if he were able to win Jack's tournament to get his 2023 back on the right track. I think he's a great low ownership play in DFS this week. Now, Patrick Cantlay is Mr. Mirfield Village. He has four top four finishes in his last five starts here at this course, which includes two wins, 2019 and 2021. To me, his style just works very well for this golf course. He hits a lot of fairways without sacrificing distance. He hits a lot of greens and just super conservative course management. And when you get that with small greens, you get a lot of makeable birdie putts. And if he just rolls in the putts, which he has a knack for doing here at this course, it's going to turn into a good week for Patrick Cantlay. Um, I think he's a great bet to win the tournament. I think he's a great DFS play. Just he, his level of course history here is like relatively unmatched on the PGA Tour in terms of singular golfers at singular courses, and and I think that is definitely worth mentioning. Now Xander Shoffley has his own little mini Scotty Scheffler streak going. He has five straight top twenty finishes, which are all elevated events. Two of them are top fives. In fact, he hasn't finished outside the top forty this season, which is not quite what we've seen from Scheffler with it being you know twelfth, but. Still Still, really good run for Xander Schauffele here in 2023. Now, he's another guy kind of like Patrick Cantlay. He's a conservative course management guy, has excellent tee to green game, and if he just gets the putter to cooperate this week, it could be a trip to the winner's circle for Xander Schauffele. I think you're going to see a lot of builds on DraftKings in terms of DFS this week. Go with either Scotty or Rom, and then either Cantlay or Xander. I really think there's the ability to do so. And so if I'm being totally honest, y'all, I think the 9K range on DraftKings is probably one I will not have a whole lot of in my lineups. I feel like the top five guys that I just mentioned are way ahead of everyone else, and I really think it's possible to fit two of them in one build, especially on FanDuel as opposed to DraftKings. I think there's enough value in the low 7Ks and 6Ks that you can definitely do that. And if you remember last week at the Charles Schwab Challenge, that was another event where the field was only 120 golfers, and a lot of the best lineups were Stars and Scrubs builds that had multiple six. 6K guys in the same build. And so I definitely think that, you know, you could see that again this week by going with two of the 10K or above guys and then going with two of the 6K guys and then just cram one there to make it work. Now, in the 9K range, let's talk about some of the concerns I have. For Kyle Morikawa, I think he's going to be pretty highly owned on DraftKings, but I think the ownership will outpace his performance. We know that he does have the win at the Workday Charity Open, and he was runner-up here in 2021, but I don't think his game is in a great spot. We're not seeing the supreme ball striking weeks that we normally see out of Colin Morikawa. That is what he is elite at. Um, and he's just not doing it week in, week out. And he's not having the spike putting weeks either. Pretty much with Colin Morikawa, the supreme ball striking gives him a super high floor. And then the spike putting weeks are when you get his wins. And we're not seeing either of those recently. So it's kind of just going to be a pass for me for Colin Morikawa. I think he's very likely to finish like 25th to 30th this week. 
Now, Victor Hovland has never missed a cut here at Muirfield Village, but he's also never finished inside the top 40. I just really don't know if this course suits his game all that well. Like I mentioned, it is really tough to get the ball up and down here, but it's really tough for Victor Hovland to get the ball up and down anywhere. His short game has been truly terrible, um, and he's trying to correct it like it was not bad at the PGA Championship. It was not bad at the Charles Schwab Challenge, but I don't know. I, I just... If you don't have short game chops here, I just don't think that's going to bode well for you. But at the same time, if the short game is difficult for everybody, then does a guy who have no short game have less of a disadvantage? I just don't know what to make of it. I think his ball striking is really well like rounded right now in terms of what he's doing off the tee and on approach. But I just... I just don't really think this course is a great fit for him. So I'm probably going to avoid Victor Hodler this week. Now, Jason Day is a guy who is from the area. He he's, lives in Ohio, right? But his course history here is not really speaking to that. He only has one top 10 finish in the last eight years. And I kind of just think with his game, everything was kind of a crescendo at the Byron Nelson. Um, he missed the cut at the PGA Championship the week after. And I'm kind of just willing to pass on him. I kind of think he hit his peak for the season with that win at the Byron Nelson. Now, Tyrrell Haddon is somebody I can get behind. He excels at long courses. He's one of the best in the field at strokes gained long courses, and he can very easily be coming off of three straight top five finishes. He already had two straight, and then the PGA Championship, he shot a 77 on a Thursday, and then minus six the rest of the week. If you could just go back and retroactively give him a 70, just a par score on Thursday, then he would have been in contention on Sunday with, with all the other guys. And so I really think that just that one bad round nuked his chances, and I'm willing to forgive him for that. Um, um, he just does everything well, and he does well at long courses. I, I'm really in on Tyrrell Hatton as my one 9K guy this week. Now, Justin Thomas is the hardest guy in the field to figure out, in my opinion. He does his best work at difficult golf courses, partly because of his great around the green play, and that is evidence here at the Memorial. He has a 4th and 8th and 18th at this tournament, as well as the runner-up at Muirfield Village at the Workday Charity Open in 2020, but he just needs the putter to cooperate, and it's been quite dreadful, for being honest. And I don't know when it's going to finally turn around, but I just think that when it does, you're going to see some good results out of Justin Thomas. But but I would prefer to see better finishes on the record than what he's had. Like, if he were finishing in the top 10 and just terrible at putting, kind of like what Scott Scheffler's doing, I would be more confident in him flipping the putter and it turning into a victory. But his other numbers are just not there to where even if he did flip the putter, I don't know if it would be enough to result in a victory for Justin Thomas. So he's super hard to figure out. Um, but I definitely do think there's some upside to playing him because of what happens if he does flip the putter. Now, the other two guys in the 9K range, Sung Jae and Matt Fitzpatrick, they are hard fades for me in DFS and the betting market this week. Sung Jae looks like he's been playing too much golf. Like, you know, he went over to play in Korea in his off week, flew back for the PGA Championship, terrible missed cut. Missed cut at Colonial, which was one of, like, a course that suited his game very well. And I just think that he's kind of like spent right now. So I'm kind of avoiding him for that reason. And then Matt Fitzpatrick is also a guy who's hard to figure out. He just had the ugly missed cut at the PGA where he really had a makeable putt to make the cut on 18 and just missed it. Um, and that course I thought really should have suited his game well. And so I'm just kind of concerned about that. Like his, his 2023 has been super up and down, kind of like Jason Day. It kind of peaked with the win at the RBC Heritage. and It's been on a downward spiral since. So I'm kind of just willing to fade both of those guys until they show me something positive. All right, so that does it for the top of the board. So let's take a quick breather and let's talk about some value plays. 
All right, so the value section starts in the 8K range on DraftKings, which is absolutely loaded this week, which should hopefully lead to ownership being down for all of them individually. I think collectively they're going to be pretty high owned, but I don't see any one guy in this range getting 20% when there's all these good plays that are going to be really close to each other. Now, Jordan Spieth is at the top of this range, and the supposed wrist injury really worries me. Like, he owns Colonial Country Club, and the fact that he missed the cut there last week to me is really concerning. Um, he does have great history here at Muirfield Village. He's got four top 18 finishes in his last four appearances. Personally, I want to know a little bit more about his health before I play him, but hey, if you're willing to overlook that potential wrist injury, go for it because I think everything else does point in the right direction. Hideki Matsuyama is a winner here who's quietly stringing together some good golf. He's got five straight top 30 finishes this season. His TD Green game has been great, which is what we want to see this week. And Bentgrass is his best putting service, which is what he'll be putting on this week. So um, I definitely think things do set up well for Hideki. And then I actually like Sam Burns this week too. He only made eight bogeys all week at Colonial last week, which is a pretty low total for that difficult setup that they put out there. His short game was absolutely on point, which is not an aspect of his game that is normally like a strength. Normally his approach play is his strength, and it has been like spike approach weeks that lead to his victories like they did twice at the Valspar Championship. Why is that notable? Because Valspar is also a difficult golf course like they're going to see this week. So I really think things are pointing in the right direction for Sam Burns. Ricky Fowler also finished T6 with Sam Burns at Colonial last week. And he has a great history here. He was a runner-up in 2017. His stat profile kind of reminds me of Jason Day before Jason Day broke through with the victory. Just kind of eking out top 10s, top 20s, just consistently doing it with all facets of his game being right. Kind of like channeling prime Ricky Fowler, even though he is a little past his prime, if we're being honest. And I kind of think the victory is going to be there eventually for Ricky. I don't know if it'll be this week because... You know, Jason Day's victory was at the Byron Nelson super weak field. This is an elevated event. This is not a weak field. So I don't know if it'll be this week, but I really do think that Ricky Fowler is knocking on the door and the breakthrough is going to come here eventually. Now, the bottom half of the AK range is just like chef's kiss, like loaded. Like I'd really see myself playing a lot of guys this week. I think you can go with two of the 10K guys or above, one of these guys here in the low eights, and then piece it together with the low sevens and sixes for the rest of your lineup. Now, Sahith Tagawa is my guy this week. I, I'm going to ride or die with Sahith this week. He is at his best at firm and fast conditions with thick rough. Think about like all of his best finishes on tour. Runner-up at the 2022 Waste Management. Runner-up at the 2022 Travelers. Fourth at Torrey this year. Sixth at Riviera. Fourteenth at Bay Hill. Ninth at the Masters. All courses that play firm and fast and have penal rough. Well, maybe not the Waste Management, but you could consider the desert area penal, right? Uh, and most importantly... Fifth place finish here last year. And so I really think that bodes well for Sahith. And I think he has all of the shots in his bag. It was on display at the final round of the Masters when he was hitting with all these side hill, uphill, downhill lies. He was pulling out all the short game shots, the high shots, the low shots. Like he just has all of it. He's supremely talented. And I think he's going to break through for a win here eventually. And I think this is a great course and a great setup for him to do that. He can spray it a little bit off the tee, but these fairways are pretty generous. They're pretty wide. And so even if you do spray, a little bit, you can still find yourself in the fairway. Now, Corey Connors is an elite level ball striker who does have an upside to win this golf tournament. And it comes if he has a good putting week. And it was what we were seeing at the PGA Championship. He was in contention there on Saturday and Sunday because he was having a great putting week. He was gaining strokes putting, which he almost never does. But so let's look for kind of some similarities, right? Oak Hills greens were small and they were bent grass. Well, Mirfield Village, 
small bent grass greens. If Corey Connors can put it together and gain with the putter again, we could see another week where he does contend for a victory like we saw at the PGA Championship. Wyndham Clark had a really long made cut streak. I believe it was tied for the longest on the PGA Tour, snapped at the PGA Championship. Now, I'm willing to give him a little bit of a break for that. It was his first start after his first career win. Um, I kind of think, just ignoring the recent form, his skill set matches up well for Mirfield Dillich. He's long, he's accurate, and he hits a lot of greens. That's what we want to see this week. So Wyndham Clark is definitely on my list to play this week. Shane Lowry is another guy who hits a lot of greens. He just normally struggles once he is on them. But like this is a course where with the greens being small, with them rolling pretty true, even the bad putters can succeed here. And that is evidence in his two finishes. He has a sixth and a 32nd here in his two starts since the renovation in 2021. Adam Scott is another guy who's been playing some great golf recently, and he has great history here as well. He hasn't missed a cut here at Muirfield Village in a decade, and he owns a second and a 16th place finish. If you're looking for a course history angle in the 8K range, he's probably the guy I would go with in terms of cumulative course history. Now, the 7K range has much less guys that I like. Last week at the Colonial, and really the week before, last I'm sorry, last week at the Charles Schwab Challenge, the golf course was Colonial. Um, and then the PGA Championship the week before, at those two tournaments, 7K chalk busted, right? Like the guys that were the most played in the 7K range last week, it was um, Hayden Buckley and Eric Cole. The week before, it was Gary Woodland, it was Wyndham Clark, it was Ricky Fowler. The guys who were high-owned in the 7K range busted, you know, in back-to-back weeks. I don't know if that's a pattern that's going to continue or not, but I definitely think that there's some guys that we can kind of be on red alert for that they're going to be chalky, and, you know, that might be not the smartest play. So, I do think in general, though, the 7K range has less guys that I like as opposed to the 8K range. Gary Woodland did have the ugly missed cut at the PGA, like we just mentioned, but his tee to green game has been outstanding this year in 2023. And so I kind of, he's another guy that I want to keep going back to because when he does finally turn around with the putter, which is possible here at Mirfield Village, he's going to be in contention and maybe even find himself in the winner's circle. I also think this course fits Cam Davis a lot better than Colonial did last week, where he did have an ugly missed cut. He often misses with the driver, but he doesn't miss huge, so I think he will still be able to find most of the fairways here, which will put himself in position to hit a lot of greens and knock in some putts. Keith Mitchell is probably my favorite play in the 7K range. He's super long and super accurate off the tee, and he has a high green regulation percentage. That's what we want here at Mirfield Village, right? You want length because course is long you want accuracy because you don't want to be in the rough and you want green regulation percentage to give you some makeable birdie put opportunities and he's also got a little bit of course history as well he's top 25 in his last two trips here i'm a little worried that cashmere keith might be the 7k chalk this week now looking further down the board we do like denny mccarthy at courses with small greens this is one of them i see no reason not to deploy him billy horschel is the defending champ of this tournament now with billy his level of engagement can kind of be questionable like there are times where if he just barely makes a cut he can just kind of eject over the weekend and just not really give you much of anything but when he shows up at tournaments that he wants to win and wants to play well at he can really go out there with the best of them and i think this is that type of tournament for him you saw it last year with how much it meant for him to win it and he's really going to be trying to defend this title i think you're going to get locked in billy horschel this week which should give you a really solid play in my opinion Harris English is another guy that I don't mind this week. Um, You know, coming off of his two good finishes at the Wells Fargo and at the uh, Charles Schwab Challenge, I think he could very well be 7K chalk, though. Um, But I think his recent finishes, along with his overall game and where it's at, Tita Green, definitely gives him a solid chance this week. I could also see this course fitting Ryan Fox pretty well. He's a DP World Tour guy who seems to be getting better stateside the more that he plays here in the States. And... 
I just think this course is a better fit for him than what we just saw at Colonial Country Club. Like, he's a guy who bombs it off the tee and, you know, has a tendency to miss fairways. But if the fairways are wider here at Mirfield Village, then maybe he can still keep it in the fairways. And by being super long off the tee, you're going to have a lot of wedges and short irons in the greens. And that should bode well for Ryan Fox. Patrick Rogers is yet another guy I would add to the list that I'm worried about being 7K chalk. Um, he's kind of in like the Justin Thomas club of decent tee to green game, just needs the putter to cooperate, and it hasn't really done a whole lot recently, and the finishes still haven't been that bad. Now, another guy that I've been saying for a while on here is a guy that you play at long golf courses is Steven Yeager. He continues to rack up good finishes at long golf courses, and this is one. So I'm kind of willing to go to him just for that reason alone here this week. Uh, and then the 6K range, you have a lot of guys who are starting to put it together in terms of recent results. Justin Su, Alex Smalley, and Austin Ekro, all three young guys, all three kind of starting to peak as we approach the summer months. Uh, and especially when you get these events with weaker fields, not this one, but later on in the summer, I definitely could see these three guys being guys that we play a lot because they generally find themselves low in salary and they generally find themselves making the cut and just kind of lurking on the weekend. All Justin Suh, Alex Smalley, Austin Necro, all trending upward in my opinion. Now, the best course history in this range in the 6Ks belongs to Kevin Streelman. He has five top 20 finishes in his last eight trips, and he's also coming off a back-to-back -back top 20 finishes in terms of recent form. I really like Streelman this week. I think he's got a chance to be a really under-the-radar play in the 6K range. Sam Stevens, like Steven Yeager, is another guy who excels at long golf courses. You just look at his game log, and like all of his best finishes are at long golf courses. So I'm willing to roll him out this week just based off that alone. Now, Mackenzie Hughes has been all over the board this season from a win to ugly missed cut to making the cut to ugly missed cut. Like he's just been all over the place, right? But he, when he's at his best, his short game's outstanding, and his iron play can have these spike weeks. And if he does have one of those spike weeks where he does hit a lot of greens and give himself a lot of opportunities to make birdie putts, he can very well go out there and like play really well at this tournament. And so Mackenzie Hughes is a guy who is on my radar this week. One of the guys that is my favorite in the 6K range, though, I, I feel like I talk about him every week, probably because I do, is Akshay Batia. Look, I'm just going to continue to play him. He's supremely talented, really long and accurate off the tee, hits a lot of greens, and just has the potential to get scorching hot. And the putter is really the only thing that kind of can be his downfall. But, like, when there's small greens, like, how bad can you be with the putter, right? And then when their fairways are a little wider and, you know, maybe you sprayed a little bit off the tee, then you got a little bit of room to still do something with it. So um, I just think he's supremely talented. I'm going to keep going back to him. He's probably my favorite long shot this week, and he's probably one of my favorite, like, deep, deep value plays in DFS. Now, if you're looking for green regulation percentage, which I mentioned is one of the most important stats earlier, Mark Hubbard is your guy in the 6K range. He has the highest green regulation percentage of anyone in the 6K range who plays a full PGA Tour schedule, uh, and then he just came off a ninth place finish at Colonial. Now, the bottom of the 6K range has some wild cards, like some guys that just truly could be like for the vibes plays, but I also would not be surprised to like see them play like really well. Um, like Sam Bennett, who like captured the hearts of America before Michael Block did at the PGA. He was the low amateur at the Masters. Um, if you remember that two months ago, feels like forever ago now. Um, but I definitely think he's worth a look. Um, there's also Chris Goderup, who's supremely talented. He's a really long hitter from the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, and then there's David Michaeluzzi, who we saw at the Byron Nelson, who we played in a few of our lineups. He doesn't play much professional golf in the U.S., but I think his game is a little bit better than like what his price tag is currently giving him credit for, so I would not mind going to him. And then there's also Bo Hoke, who doesn't have full PGA Tour status, but he has like 
some connection to Jack Nicholas. I don't know what it is, but he plays here every year. Uh, he was 13th here in 2021 and a missed cut here last year. But hey, if you're paying min price and you get a guy like him who comes in 13th, like that, that'd be outstanding. So um, just a guy worth being on the radar. All right, so let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then let's talk about some one and done. All right, so let's talk some one and done. So last week ended up being like a super irrelevant week for one and dones because so much of the popular picks either missed the cut or played poorly. Really, in hindsight, like the ideal pick that like still being reasonable because obviously you weren't going to pick Harry Hall for a one and done. Um, the ideal pick while still being reasonable probably would have ended up being Sam Burns or Harris English. Um, even if you did play Scotty Scheffler, that would have been like, okay. Like T3 at the Charles Schwab is probably going to get him about as much money as like in like an eighth to 10th place finish at an elevated event, which he seemingly turns out like in his sleep. So I don't know if you necessarily got your money's worth from playing Scotty, but really if you were able to get Burns or to get Harris English, like that probably would have been a pretty good run of it. I, I played Justin Rose in one and Jordan Spieth in one. So just really not a great week for me in one and done. Anyway, we're back at it here again for Memorial, right? And I gotta be honest, if you have John Rahm or Patrick Cantlay left, you got to play them, like one of them at least. Um, odds are a lot of your league has already played both of these guys just because like they are two of the best golfers in the world, right? But if you have one of them left, like you're not going to have much of a better spot for either of them, especially if a lot of people have played them and it's a high lever situation, right? If you don't play them this week, speaking about Raman Cantlay specifically, there's either the U.S. Open or the BMW Championship left as ideal spots for those two. And like I said, there's two of them. So really you can figure something else out at both of those. But I think if you've got both of them left or one of them left, I think you got to go with them this week just because of their supreme course history here at this event. Both of them have good form coming in. And I just think it makes too much sense to go with either one of those two, John Rahm or Patrick Cantlay this week here at the Memorial. Now, if you are chasing and maybe you need somebody else to go with, um, I kind of think that like, like I said earlier, Thagawa is kind of my ride or die this week. I, I think he'd be a great guy to go with. Um, Tyrrell Hatton and Justin Thomas, I think, would both make good picks. Um, and then Hideki has, has had really good run here, and I think Hideki would be a good pick as well. So um, let me see if I can narrow that down a little bit, though. So me personally, Ryman Cantlay, I, I have both of them saved in a one and done, and I'm going to be going with them in the one that I have saved. Um, but if I didn't have them saved... I think that if I was being chalky, Xander Shoffley would be my pick. I think that if I was needing to be a little bit outside the box, a little bit aggressive, I'd probably be going with Tyrrell Haddon or Hideki Matsuyama. All right, so that does it for one and done strategy this week. Remember, for one and dones, this is an elevated event. This is an elevated purse, so you do want to get this one right. Next week at the RBC Canadian Open is not an elevated event, and then we're back at it with a major um, in the U.S. Open. So really, no matter how far back you are in a one and done, you're not out of it yet because we have enough elevated events left that if you just pick a few winners, you're going to be able to gain some ground on people. All right, so that does it for the preview here for the Memorial 2023. I think I might have gone a little bit over my 30-minute limit this week, but that's okay. I got a personal story in, uh, and this is a very prestigious event. It is an elevated event, so let's elevate our time limit there just a little bit. But um, yeah, I, I tried to stick it under 30 minutes, but just had so much information, did so much research today for it um, that I couldn't quite fit it under, and that is okay. So anyway, um, hopefully 
you got enough information here from this preview that if you're playing DFS, if you are betting, or if you are playing one and done, you got enough information to pick yourself some winners this week or to construct a good lineup this week or to, you know, pick the winner, pick a top 20, whatever it is you're doing this week. Hopefully I got you the information you need here for this week at Mirfield Village. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, please hit that subscribe button. It really does help me out a lot. Um, also this week, I am going to be putting up some underdog um, player props on Twitter. Um, so follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks um, to get those player props that I'm going to be posting. Uh, and then also, if you've never played on underdog fantasy before, um, it will deposit, or I'm sorry, it will match your first deposit if you use my promo code. It is on the pinned tweet on my Twitter profile at Mike's Money Picks if you are interested in playing on underdog so just another thing to check out for all right so that does it for this episode guys as always best of luck to everybody this week we will be back talking golf for the rbc canadian open next week and we also be back on the podcast here later this week talking about some fancy football so best of luck to you this week guys thank you for listening and i will see you next time